Welcome back to another episode of Artist to Artist presented by Artist Republic, if you didn't know. But today's episode, we're actually, you know, getting sponsored by one of our buddies because they think we're pretty cool. That sponsor is 11 Music Career Center. They literally use professional music industry coaches to give you advice on how to take your music career and turn it into revenue, turn it into growth, turn it into all that stuff. And it's not like systems or anything like that. It's literally just advice and career coaching. So if you want to learn more about them, go to turnuptoelevencom that is turnuptoelevencom And it's funny too, because a lot of times when you sponsor podcasts, they're like, oh yeah, turnuptoelevencom forward slash artist. Yeah, not here. That's because this is literally not a paid sponsorship. We are literally just helping other companies out that we like. So with that, let's bring in our guest for the day, which is Joshi Soul, who is an artist who finds his stride amongst the things he knows best, which is art and soul. Based in Long Beach, California, Joshi Soul has soaked up every hint of inspiration during his journey. At an early age, gospel music was a critical thread to his youthful fabric. His grandmother from New Orleans would sing hymns of the religious South throughout their house. And this lit that musical fire that we all know in his heart that would eventually manifest itself into Joshi Soul. When his former outfit, The Cool, Joshi Soul, amassed a noteworthy Gigography, including sold-out shows at the Egyptian Theater and the Gallivan Plaza in Salt Lake City. Headlining the Tree Fort Music Festival, performing at Hard Rock's Miami Dolphin Stadium, performing with Nick Murphy, and supporting the likes of Phoebe Bridges, The Roots, Cat Power, Haley Reinhardt, and more. He recently released a new single entitled Celebration on June 9th, so with that, let's get into it. For me, I guess, I, yeah, okay. So I guess my musical journey is like, I um, started off playing piano at 18. So uh, I don't have like the coolest, I guess it's cool because it's right, but um, I did start when I was like three, four years old, you know, like a lot of people do. They're, my parents didn't make me play music. They put me in sports. So it's more one of those things of like, I found it on my own. And just because my friends were just so good at music and they're all just like the biggest YouTube stars. And this person was up for a Grammy at like 19 years old. So I was kind of inspired by them to like, uh, let me just try not even do music for a living. I just wanted to jam with them because they used to just jam with each other. Everybody could just hang and everybody could just sing and play while I would just sit in the corner and watch them. Uh, so I just started going home after those little hangout sessions. They were my neighbors. And I would uh, just try to learn how to play piano. Anything that come on the radio, I'd try to pick it out on piano and learn it. Um, at that time, it was like more of like the Killers and Savarellis and uh, I guess she wasn't really on there. Soviet's Kitsch, that album was amazing by Regina Spector, but that was a big album here. But it was cool because there was still, who else was around? John Legend, Coldplay, 
So there was these like pianists, pop artists. So it was easy to like learn piano because they're writing these really catchy tunes and it helped me find out that I could play by ear. But I didn't have any training or anything before that just because I was always running track and playing rugby and football. So. Gotcha. That's sweet. And so you mentioned that you, you play a lot of stuff by ear. Is that, I mean, kind of, kind of how you've started making your music as well. You hear something and you take inspiration from it and then you just write it by ear or. Yeah, I started doing it like that. And then I was like, let me just get myself into school and try to learn some theory. Um, so I went to school for like a couple of years and just soaked in all the theory. So like, I just knew how to name what I was playing. Cause I would like, and in school I would like by ear, like, like play like Chopin or like Mozart pieces by ear, stuff like that. But, uh, and that taught me how to write music. Like learning how to write, learn those songs taught me like, oh, okay, those, even those old classical songs have progressions. And then, uh, yeah, I didn't, I got in trouble because they saw me not turning the page while I was playing. <laughs> but yeah, I would learn Chopin pieces by heart and ear and then play them for recitals and stuff and get in trouble after. But. That's, that's cool. That's a cool, like different way that someone learns. And I, I think you know, you deciding to go to school and start learning the theory of it is huge. I, I think there's a lot of artists out there that really don't know a lot of music theory. But on the other side, there are a lot of artists that do know it. Um, but I, I think knowing the theory behind how music works is kind of like half the battle. You know, you don't want to be sitting there with a producer being like, oh, I don't like how it sounded like this or like that without having the proper terminology already preloaded in your mind. Right. But some people think that's cool. Like a lot of people think learning theory isn't cool. And I'm like, what are you talking about? But it's just like the ego of saying I'm self-taught. Like I, I always wish I had like a piano teacher, you know? So, but I am grateful I learned by ear because it does teach you how to feel and how to figure things out. But yeah, I hate not being able to communicate. And in the industry, there's a lot of people who don't know how to communicate music. So they don't know what they want, like you said, like with a producer. Right. It's, it's interesting um, how that works, right? It's like, um, you know, you, you're trying to communicate your ideas, right? You want your, your music to sound a certain way. And say you work with a producer who is self-taught, as you say, and you're trying to communicate, oh, I want it you know, I want the chord progression to go like this or like that. And they're like, oh, I don't know what that means. I'm just going to make it how you think it wants to sound. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Have you ever, uh, ever had the unfortunate experience of working with someone like that? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I like was producing some artists and some, um, uh, and, yeah, they just kind of like, I want to, you know, they're vocalists, so it's like they don't do the whole theory stuff, they just, or music thing, they just kind of go with it, so thank you, and um, and it's just kind of, it made it complicated, because we were butting heads, thank you, we were butting heads, because it was just getting frustrating not being able to figure out what they wanted, but they would just get mad, because they just can't explain it, and I'm like, 
oh man, you should have just took some time to learn this stuff. And she was just getting so angry at me because I'm like, you want this, that? No, I want to be like, and I'm like, what does that even mean? (laughs) Yeah, for sure. But I I also think on the other hand, you know, a lot of these, a lot of these people in the industry, they know, as you said earlier, you know, how to feel the music. And I think that's kind of like the other half of that coin. It's, it's, you know, you, you should obviously know kind of like the by the book definition of things, but I think it's equally as important, if not more important, to understand the feeling of that music. More important. Yep, I agree. More important to feel because a lot of music students don't make it in the industry because they're so by the book. And so like, this is not right. How are they going to put a B flat over it? I'm just like, who cares, you know, so. It is more important to feel. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> Nick, you look like you've been wanting yeah, to say something. Like, <laughs> no, not exactly. But I, I think that's also a good point. Cause like, I think that's how a lot of things are generally in life too, of like, everyone's like, Oh, this is by the book. Like there's always the joke of like, sorry for anybody listening that may have gone to MIT, but there's always the joke of people that are like, Oh, someone goes to MIT and can't cross the road because there's no textbook for how to cross the road. And it's like, you know, it's, it's a bad joke, but you know, it, it can be true where like, if you overbook and over textualize things, then, you know, it goes wrong. Like even I was thinking the other day, I was watching a commercial and uh, you know, you have that in like when you can over innovate stuff and you can do that in music too. But you know, a great example of this, I was watching a commercial that came on and they had like a new LG smart fridge and you tap the fridge and it shows you what's inside. I'm like, why not just open the fridge? What? Like, why do I need to buy a fridge with a screen on it to then tap it to show me what's in the fridge? Like, why can't I just open the fridge? And, you know, I think that's, you know, kind of correlates to the music industry when people do over innovate and overthink stuff. Um, where like what you were saying on the chord progression side, you know, pretty much every famous song has the same chord progression, (laughs) you know? So, you know, that's kind of the same thing. Like don't, there's almost, I always say, you know, don't reinvent the wheel. And I think you get there by, you know, exactly what you said, like knowing the terminology and knowing the education behind it, but you need to feel it. You need to just know it. It needs to come naturally, not, you know, study something and then you're you're magically going to be bruno mars tomorrow just because you you know went to school for it right that's real i need that fridge but yeah that's (laughs) that sounds horrible like what but yeah that's that that's so real though i agree with you yeah so with that though i do want to go into a little bit more about you know kind of being you know so to say self-taught but really learning by ear um you know and i think it's funny because you're right like i when I used to play drums in high school, they used to yell at us all the time, like read the book, flip the pages. It's like, relax. Um, but like, what's kind of like your advice that you would give to someone? Cause like, obviously there's other people out there that are great with learning by ear. Um, but like, what's kind of your advice for people that, you know, have that skill and want to perfect it. Um, you know, how do you per- kind of perfect the ability to learn and grow by ear? So to say. I think the biggest thing is, like I run into this thing of some people say, oh yeah, I don't play covers or I don't know any covers. And I'm like, well, who inspired you? Oh, Zeppelin or something like that. I'm like, you never like just transcribe their music just to like 
learn from them. So I think it's a, a point of like, you got to learn from the people that we think humanly perfected it in the sense of like a Stevie Wonder or like a Jacob Collier or I don't know. I even look at like, like a, like a band like Strokes or Killers. Like they really have perfected indie rock to me in a sense, you yeah. know, like, and that's just like, that's just right off the top of my head. There's so many other artists, but like, just like classical musicians play Chopin and they play Tchaikovsky and Rachmaninoff and all this stuff like that. I think we need to do the same thing for people like, I just watched a documentary of, uh, what are they called? XXYYZZ, what's that band? Uh, uh, I'm like blanking on their names. Neil Peart uh, is a drummer. Rush, Rush, Rush. Rush. Yeah. Oh, I would have yeah. never, I would never even guessed that. Okay. Well, yeah, and it was crazy of how innovative, but crazy and hard to follow their music was that they didn't have much success. Mm -hmm. more of their career was less like successful than their successful years. And, but I think there's something to be said about like being able to push yourself and move to that, like learning, learning other music that we think kind of like are like gods or Mm -hmm. I don't know, you know, like just like high up songwriters and producers. I think there's something to be said about learning what they're doing and then kind of gaining all that knowledge to put together because if like I love Pharrell, if Pharrell had Pharrell to listen to, what would he sound like now? You know, mm-hmm. like he would probably be even more innovative because he had somebody like Pharrell to listen to. But I think with like perfecting your ear, I think it's learning songs that kind of like scare you and learning songs that like push you to like have to try it again and not get it in one step. Because for me, if I listen to the radio, I mean. I'll count natural numbers or numbers like, you know, scale degrees. And I can learn the song hearing it once fully all the way through. I'll remember all the parts just because I'm counting numbers. Um, but I think that's like easy and it's good for me, but I need to like be able to be like, whoa, what was that again? And play it over and over again. So I think some people just need to like push themselves. Like that's my advice with, if you're going to play by ear, then just learn like every and any song you can. Because just the little tricks of progressions people do in melody lines help. Yeah. And I think that's a good point. Like even what you mentioned on, on Pharrell of like, you know, there's always like that. I forget what it was some chain. I think I saw on Twitter or something. It was like, name a song that you would, it would be better if you changed a word. And it was like, you know, going through and it was like, Oh, like there's so many songs that I can think of, but like you're listening to it. You're like, ah, I feel like that word would have been better. Um, and you know, even that you're like, then you, the next time you go out and do it, then you're going to have a better word. You're going to have a <laughs> you're going to have, and you know, we can build on each other and really adapt and grow. Um, you know, the music industry, it wasn't built in a box. Um, yeah. you know, collaboration isn't, isn't meant to be in a box and especially the music industry. Right. Yeah. I was, when you say that there's a uh, watermelon sugar by, uh, Harry Styles and like verse two, he says, I want your belly. And I'm like, what? <laughs> I want your belly. And I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> I'd change that. Yeah, I would change that. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I like this conversation and I, I kind of want to keep it in line with like what Nick just said about collaboration. You know, um, 
kind of going over your uh, bio, it looks like you've collaborated with some pretty incredible people, you know, Phoebe Bridgers, The Roots, uh, Cat Power, Haley Reinhardt, whole lot of people. Um, kind of, what's your, you know, your philosophy on collaboration and how has that kind of helped you in your career? I mean, the biggest thing is what can I learn from them? Especially like when we play the show with The Roots, my band, like we weren't even like jumping or cheering we're all just like staring at each bandmate, seeing what they're doing. It was like, it was like class for us more than it was a concert. But I think it's like, I'm always looking for myself to be expanded um, in it instead of being so like, let me help this artist or let me help expand them. Like, I hope I can give to them. But the biggest thing for me is like, I want to write different. I want to be in someone else's mind and heart and see if I can like, be like them because like Ed Sheeran wrote a song for my friend and it sounds like an Ed Sheeran song and I'm like ah what if he Ed Sheeran tried to write like her or something I don't know but I mean it's a good song but I think for me I'm like always trying to like grow and be a different being when I'm collaborating with somebody like I'm not going to be myself all the way because I've done that I do that all the time thank you <laughs> Um, but yeah, I want to be more them and try to like enter like another body, almost like a shapeshifter. <laughs> I like that. I, I think that's really important for people who are in the market to collaborate is, you know, it, it's, it's a uh, two way street, I guess is what I'm trying to say. It's, it's not, you know, just one person's ideas. It's both people's ideas. And if you try to put 100% of you and your style into a collaboration, it's going to sound like you. It's not going to sound like your collaborator. Right, right. Um, it's important. But I think, um, you know, when it comes to collaborations, right, I feel like a lot of people listening to this are wondering, like, how do you come across these collaborations, right? How, how do you find your way into meeting people like Phoebe Bridgers or how does your friend get a song written by Ed Sheeran, you know, stuff like that. I mean, uh, my friend, like everybody wants to write with her because she's like just. Oh, you went mute. She's like super amazing. Um, everybody wants to write with her because she's super amazing. But for me, it was like, I met Phoebe like four or five years ago backstage. So we were opening for Cat Power uh, and Phoebe happened to be like the second opener. And I didn't really know who she was, but the person who picked the, the, the little concert series is like, no, she's like the next thing. And I'm like, oh, okay, here we go. Like, let's hear it. And like, she played this song called Scott Street. And I'm like, all right. And it was like her birthday that day too. So we ended up hanging out like all day. And then her guitarist became one of my good friends. And now we talk and play. And I head over to Pasadena to hang with him now because of that day. And that was like four years ago. But I think it's just kind of being around. Like, I don't know. Like a lot of the people I know in the industry, it's just because I just happened to run into them at a coffee shop or at like a friend's birthday that happens to be used to play for this artist or has to happen to be dating this artist. Like, I feel like my life has been a little bit magical in that way of like, 
I never really tried to get in a room with people. I just happened to run into them and like end up just hitting it off with them. And uh, yeah, so I, it's a weird thing of, and also like with social media that helps out a lot. Um, being able to like talk to people, um, being like, like following them and then DMing them or reposting their song. And then they're like, hey, thanks for the love. And they're like, hey, I like your look or I, I heard your song or something like that. So I've been kind of lucky that people have been like really generous. So, because uh, I don't know. Yeah. That's, yeah. And I, I like what you said about, you know, not trying to get into a room with people. I, I think in the industry as it is, there are a lot of people that actively pursue trying to get into a room with someone else. And cool, that's a great way to do it. But I don't think it comes off as genuine or organic, you know, versus walking into a coffee shop and having to come across someone that you end up working with in the future. Um, yeah, I mean, people, if someone gives me a business card, I feel like they're not serious. Like, I can't take them serious. And I hate to be that person. But yeah. <laughs> no, for real. I mean, I, I think a lot of relationships in the industry should be based off of like trust and an organic feeling. And if it becomes a business transaction, it kind of gets rid of that trust. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, so I want to switch gears here a little bit. Um, I want to talk to you about this new song that you just recently released, uh, Celebration. Yeah. What's going on with that? Basically, I just was like, yo, I'm turning 30. I better write a banger. Um, but I wanted to drop. I turned 30 during the pandemic, so we, we kept it for a little bit. <laughs> um, yeah, so basically, it used to be a song called Friday Night. And it had a little bit more of like a 1980s Stevie Wonder feel to it. Um. Like there's like the uh, there's a part that says like whole room clapping for me spotlight on me that used to be the chorus it used to be like it's Friday night I'm feeling all right whole room clapping for me spotlight shine so it's like I changed everything up and just said hey cause it's my birthday and I don't care what you say <laughs> and it's basically just like all right let me just do like a funk pop fun time song almost based off that like na 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 you know like that and let's just write song like let's just layer it with uh instruments and uh yeah talk about my birthday because i'm like yo 30 is crazy and i used to be so afraid of 30 and now it's like man i should have been in the 30s 10 years ago you know so that's like that song is about it's just like living your best life celebrating every day like it's your birthday but you know right now um i got a little uh what is it instagram video chat from some people in canada because there was a girl and she was like you i answered i was like you you dropped that song on my birthday so it's for me and i was like what what a random call last night it was so weird <laughs> i don't know i like i don't know i, I think it's not that good to like I mean, it's not good, but I interact with people on Instagram a lot. Like, I talk on conversations with people who are fans or stuff like that. I think it's funny, and it's, like, entertaining. But 
yeah but uh yeah so that song is just like a birthday song about living your best life if you see the video everyone's kind of like mopey and like kind of attitude and i'm just like all right but still i'm gonna go have a ball yeah and and the instagram comment is a good is a good piece too because like you know people don't realize like if you want fans to engage with you you have to engage with your fans <laughs> novel idea um <laughs> <laughs> just like putting a putting a screen on a on a fridge refrigerator novel idea um but yeah, yeah. Zine, you know that's that's definitely a you know good thing and that's probably why i mean hell fifty thousand streams or so in 16 days ain't too bad <laughs> you know on, on celebration you know and and you know you have that fan base because you engage with them and then you release a song they engage with you and when you drop it on your birth on their birthdays they call you like it's building that you know great relationship and so with that christian if you don't have any reservations i'm gonna steal the last big question from you um how dare you unless you have any reservations how dare you no, okay, cool. cool. <laughs> uh, so with that, um, Josh, we would like to ask you the one last big question, which is if there is one piece of advice that you can give to an artist listening to this, what would it be? Woo. Um, you never make it. You just got to keep doing it for a living. <laughs> and I say that because I feel like I've had some good success in my career early on. Like I started at 18 and by like 24, 23, I was touring like, and I was on like TV and I, then years after that, I wrote my own record. And I feel like I have, I'm not crazy successful, but I feel like I had kind of like a more lucky career where a lot of people are like hopping in the van and playing for like 50 bucks a night yeah. where I feel like I might start doing that now than how I started my career. I was playing for money and traveling and jets and stuff early. And now that I'm like launching my own career, I might have to hit the road in the van. <laughs> <laughs> so it's hey, like, no I'm shame, no shame. <laughs> oh man. And like, honestly, it's fine. You know, I sleep all the time anyway, so it's not going to bother me traveling anywhere, but. I think it's just like you can never say make it. I would say making it is doing it for a living, really. To be able to, like, go out with your homies, uh, to be able to, like, travel or hang out and know that everything you're spending your money with is made from music. I think that's it, you know? And I'm not yeah. selling it short. Like, ball out. If you can buy a Benz, you know, go ahead, you know? If you can live, if you can do a collab with Gap like Kanye, do it. But I think those things are extra because I don't know, like now that I have to like go hop in a van, I don't feel less about myself than I did when I was like playing those big shows. Uh, I, I think it's all about how I feel in the day. Like I'm just moody in general. So I think it's just keeping it simple. So you're not trying to play catch up with people. Cause I do that all the time. Like I said, my friends were killing it before I was even playing music. So I have that catch up mentality, but there's no like clock, you know, you got to give yourself at least 10 years of doing it professionally. Yeah. You know? So that's what I would say. It's like, don't think about like making it cause making it can be simple. Like my friends playing bars every week and they're cool with it. They're not even trying to like tour or play festivals. They're just they're chilling. Cool. Yeah. 
and it's hard, it's hard for me to understand that. I'm like, I don't get that at all. Oh, but it's their life and they're doing it for a living. That's all they ask for. So I'm, it's good to keep it simple, you know? Exactly. Exactly. Like I always say, you know, the best people in the music industry is what I call the music middle class, the people just doing what they love, living on their music career. And that's it. And so with that, I will leave it there. Uh, Josh, thank you so much for hopping on. I'm about to go bump celebration. And with that, if you enjoyed this podcast, please give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. It'd be pretty cool. Um, and if you didn't enjoy this podcast, you can write an angry letter to Christian. Um, and we will <laughs> see you all next week. Hey, see y'all. Oh,